Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. So I guess I'll start with a guided meditation. Yeah. Okay, okay. (laughs) Um, So thank you all of you for being here. Um, I myself am a big fan of Skylight Books, and I've been so fortunate for uh, Skylight Books to host my events and my books, and so it's really an honor to be here to support the Astrological Grimoire um, because I myself just love talking and thinking about witchiness, the occult, creativity, rituals, um, astrology, and how that relates to the creative process, self-care, and being human. And so uh, to start this evening together, um, I feel like since it's a Friday, it's Scorpio season, and... (laughs) Mercury retrograde, there's just a lot in the air, so I thought for before we um, get into conversation, and of course there is a Q&A afterwards for you guys to um, ask questions, um, I thought we should all ground ourselves, and so I'm going to lead um, a quick guided meditation that I invite all of you to energetically participate in since this is a space that we're all sharing together right this moment. So wherever you are, I just want you to um, put yourself in a comfortable sitting position. So um, move your body about in a way until you feel that you're sitting comfortably. And when you are ready, you can then close your eyes. Or if you would like to keep it open, you can keep it open at a soft gaze. And listen to the sound of the singing bowl. Take this moment now to breathe in through your nose. Exhale through your mouth. Again, breathe in through your nose. Exhale, loud sigh. Again, breathe in through your nose. Exhale, loud sigh. One more time, breathe in through your nose. Exhale, loud sigh. So this is the end of the week, and we're all winners for coming to this event on time during Mercury Retrograde. So extend to yourself an energetic beam of gratitude for simply being here, as we should every moment. 
And as you continue to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, and with every breath, you release all energies that do not belong in this present moment. Imagine that any um, feelings of stress, worries, anxieties, to-do lists, insecurities, hesitations, they're black clouds of negative energy in your body. And every time you breathe in, you're breathing in those black clouds into your lungs. And every time you breathe out, you're breathing it out as healing white light, which then dissipates out into the air. So allow yourself to do that for a few mindful breaths. Breathing in the black heavy smoke of any negative emotions that do not belong in this present moment. And breathing out this black smoke as healing white sparkling light that dissipates into the air as it exits your lungs. Maybe as you breathe in and out, you're mindful of any layers of sound that you hear right this moment. See if you can identify at least three layers of sound. And also make note of the silence between the layers of sound. Now imagine that from the base of your spine, you're sending an energetic cord into the earth, into the ground below. Imagine that this energetic cord goes deeper and deeper into the earth through the foundation of the building, into the soil, into the many layers of earth, deeper and deeper, further underground until it reaches the earth's fiery hot center. And as you breathe in, you're breathing into Earth's grounding energy into the lower half of your body. And as you breathe out, you're releasing all tensions, tightness, heaviness that do not belong in your body in this present moment. And since this is Mercury retrograde, Imagine that you're tuning into this slowness of the Earth's rhythms. You're not in a rush because nature does not ever rush. Nature is always on time. So imagine that you're surrendering to the earthbound reality of this planet, its rhythms, its cycles of seasons. Really tuning into the autumn energy, leaves changing color, the days getting shorter. What does not belong to this next chapter dying decaying, 
releasing. In order to create space for the new energy that is to come. So maybe tonight you want to ask yourself, what needs to die in my life in order for something new to be born? And what is this new thing that you desire to be born, to be manifested? Take a few mindful breaths to allow the answer to reveal itself in your body. What needs to die this season in order for something new to be born? And what is this new thing that you desire to call in this brand new month of November and the last three months of this decade before we usher in a brand new decade a brand new era, a 2020. And as you allow the answer to show itself, or maybe you don't know the answer yet, but you just have a feeling, an intuitive emotion. Trust in your higher self, your deep body wisdom that for the next few weeks, you will allow solutions, opportunities, epiphanies to come through. And you will know exactly what actions you need to take to release that which does not belong for your highest good, to bring in that which honors your next greatest potential. Now I want you to imagine that there is a big golden sun hovering over your head that gets bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter. And this golden sun cracks open like a golden egg, pouring its golden energizing yolk down your head, your neck, your shoulders, your heart, your arms, your stomach, your hips, down your legs, down your feet revitalizing from head to toe every cell in your body until every part of you is awake and open and present and fully grounded and open to what new knowledge may transpire tonight, this weekend, this upcoming week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year. And together we will take uh, three more mindful breaths together. Breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. And now listen to the singing bowl and allow the sound to recede into silence. And when that happens, you can then open your eyes.
can now open your eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Is the dog relaxed? Okay, just wanted to check. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Yumi. How do you guys feel? I feel like I let go of some stuff. I feel good. Oh, good. <laughs> what about you, Shiwov? I loved being covered in spiritual yolk. Yes. People seem to like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You could do that anytime, anywhere. So, um, of course I have to ask both of you, since this is a book about astrology and horoscopes, what are your um, sun, moon, and rising signs so we all know? So, uh, I'm a Taurus sun, Capricorn moon, and Aries rising. Which some, well, an astrologer, Jessica Laniato, she's great, she could tell I was an Aries rising because she made me lift up my bangs and she was like, you have a widow's peak and a widow's peak means you're an Aries rising. So, who knew? Never knew that. Or apparently it's Thank some, you, Jessica. I yeah, I was like, yeah. okay. She just guessed it on the spot. <laughs> I'm a Sagittarius sun, Gemini moon, and Scorpio rising. So this is kind of like my new year a little bit. My first house. And also, um, <laughs> what was that? You have to say yours. Oh, of course. Um, and so She Wolf and I discovered uh, just in the last hour that we actually <laughs> share the same birthday. So Very I, too, exciting. December 14th. Um, she filled me in on all the exciting things that happen on December 14th. Um, and so I am a Sagittarius sun as well, and a Virgo moon, and Aquarius rising. So... What is going on astrologically right now? Oh, man. Give us the intel. The intel. Well, as you mentioned earlier, we're in Scorpio season. Mercury retrograde started on Halloween, which is as heavy metal spooky as it gets. Um, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty goth. Um, and I know for me personally, I'm really fascinated by we have a Uranus transit right now, which apparently is going on through 2020, which is globally a time of a lot of upheaval. Apparently the last time this happened, the Uranus and Taurus transit was um, the beginning of World War II. So Uranus is a planet that's uh, kind of chaotic and unpredictable. Taurus is a sign that really hates unpredictability and chaos so when they come together it's like an electric shock to the system so yeah Taurus also represents a lot of uh kind of structures and institutions foundations being shaken up yeah so we're apparently uh headed for a year of some interesting upheavals uh or another way to look at it is like old paradigms getting kind of shattered but Probably yeah. not a smooth process. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Bring it. Tower yeah. card. Yeah. Oh, man. Destroy, burn, recreate. I keep pulling the tower yeah, card. Sagittarius is like change. So yeah. we're just like. Oh. Mutable sign. Yeah. Changes are great. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys want to um, read 
uh, what moon phase we're in to give the audience a feel for the lunar mood that's happening. Yeah. So um, if you've not opened our book before, um, it's a little different, I think, than a lot of astrology books um, in that we designed it so that you can actually use the entire book rather than just flip to the chapter about your sun sign. Um, and one of the ways that you can read this book is by looking up the moon phase horoscopes for whatever our moon sign our moon is currently in. Um, so I call it a, a choose your own intuition sort of book. Uh, and that whichever, whatever kind of resonates for you. So um, we're currently in Scorpio season. Um, it's a wax, waxing crescent moon in Capricorn. Um, but I, I vibed with the, the Scorpio moon horoscope. So I'm going to read that one. So waxing crescent, um, it's a time for energy, for initiative, for activation. We just had a new moon in Scorpio, which I don't know if anybody else felt it was on, it was like over the Halloween weekend and I felt absolutely crazy. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Um, so here is our current moon phase horoscope for waxing crescent. Uh, there's a part of you that lives for the beginnings of things. Think of snakes that shed their skin. The newness of bumping up against the world can make you feel vulnerable, but it can also make you feel alive. How can you use your powers of regeneration to let the waters of your darkest depths run clear again? Getting unstuck can come easily to you during this time when you apply your intensity to it. You can be highly attuned to these cycles of beginnings and endings, so be deliberate with what you are laying the foundation for. Practice doing something strangely methodical, like sorting leaves by their colors. What can it teach you about how to soften your gaze so you can focus more clearly? Thank you. To so go out and find some leaves, sort them by color, or rocks, whatever works. Anything you have around the house yeah. that can be sorted. <laughs> your laundry. Yeah, socks. <laughs> So what I love about um, the astrological grimoire is, first of all, the the first thing that sort of popped at me was, um, so in the beginning of the book, there was a note on materials. And so this book is also not only filled with a lot of wonderful knowledge about the different astrology, astrological signs and how to read your um, natal chart and sort of how to use that to learn and unlock new aspects of yourself. This book is also filled with really lovely and beautiful spells and rituals um, corresponding to each sign. So you could do it by the season. You could do it to honor your own sign. And uh, with the note that you made at the beginning was that you really only need um, paper and pen. You don't need to get all elaborate with crystals and essential oils and um, buying these ornate materials, which uh, just, just made me think a lot about how witchiness is on the rise. There's just been an influx of witchy books that's been released, uh, especially in the last year. And 
witchiness is a thing now. And so I am just so curious what both of you think about this popularity of witchiness in pop culture. And why do you think now, as opposed to other previous times, that there is this really heightened collective interest in witchiness, the occult, astrology, magic? Yeah, um, well, we call it peak witch capitalism, <laughs> by the way. You just um, read my mind. I was going to give you that credit that she, she will have coined peak witch capitalism. It's, we both <laughs> did together yeah, on the show. Um, but yeah, just this sort of aesthetic or this notion that, um, you know, you need to buy very specific, maybe expensive crystals in order to manifest certain things, which is not anything against buying a crystal if you like it but I subscribe to the belief that you could probably just find a cool rock on the ground that resonates with you and and imbue that rock with whatever mm-hmm. it needs to be imbued with um but in terms of your question of like why now um I, we've talked a lot about this on our radio show which is interesting because I think it's like the genesis of how this book came to be written um but I think that whenever collectively culturally we are in times of uncertainty I think people grope for meaning um we look to symbols we look to signs if you go back to read like Shakespeare plays in the 16th century which was a a huge time of political upheaval everybody in Shakespeare plays is like the sun and the heavens and the moons portend that fathers will murder their sons like it's (laughs) so there's a whole it's this is nothing new I think but I think it cycles back around um where people become interested in in a different interpretation or, or way to make meaning out of maybe what feels meaningless and then I think she-Wolf can maybe speak more to like what this particular time means for that. Yeah, I think we're in a time where um, we've kind of, if you think, if you look at the history of our relationship with, um, you know, spirituality and, um, you know, considering the move from, say, animism seeing things in the world as alive and holding spirits to um, an evolution toward, you know, polytheistic religion, toward monotheistic religion. And then now we're in a place where um, that's kind of um, receded and we're kind of in this like so-called techno-rationalist place. And we're seeing our resources and our earth being depleted and um, there is a sense that, you know, we're grasping for something that can't be quantified by, by you know, data, um, something that's still a little bit mysterious. And I think a lot of people who kind of come to occult tools maybe come to it first with this, um, there's sort of an aesthetic mystery about it. Um, and it kind of pulls you in, like, I want to learn a little bit more, like, what's underneath that? And then it becomes a place where you can access things that are maybe a little bit difficult to access, uh, emotional, psychological uh, levels or uh, layers of our existence that um, you can come to through 
systems that are pretty playful and um, and kind of act as a, a glamour to what might be a bitter pill to swallow. Um, and then there's a little bit of distance too. When you're going through something that's difficult, it helps to not feel alone. And um, looking at systems that kind of connect people, right? Like, what is astrology if not a calendar that's focused on the, so the social and relational? You kind of like think of it as like, this is when I know people um, in my life are having birthdays. You kind of use this like mm. sun, moon, rising as a way to relate to people through these archetypes. Um, and when everyone is going through a difficult time, it helps to be like, oh, you too, me too, Mercury, retrograde. <laughs> it's like a way of like kind of, you know, grounding in the same space and being like, okay, we're not going through this alone. Mm. Uh, we can kind of um, relate on these like sort of, you know, arbitrary cosmic keywords, but you, you can use that as a way of, of kind of like breaking the ice and, and finding also finding distance from what we maybe can't control, mm. what we lack control over, and then pinpointing the things that we do have agency over, mm. maybe. I also think we like to understand other people. I think other people are inherent mysteries, and so there's mm. something about like knowing if someone identifies with astrology in their birth chart and is like, oh, your Venus is, is like in Taurus too, um, it becomes kind of this shorthand for like, knowing another person's story or how they see and experience the world. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I'm a big fan of the philosophy of like, take what works and, and leave the rest. And so I think if there are parts of your chart that you're like, oh yeah, that, that part really resonates with me. This part doesn't, I think that's fine. But again, it's like a story you tell yourself about yourself and therefore it's a story you can tell other people about who you are as well. Yeah, and it's also a really great place to kind of create the self mm -hmm. if you've always been, especially uh, if you're part of a marginalized group, a lot of these labels get applied to you and to have a system to be like, no, I'm creating myself from these 12 archetypes in certain combinations and those are examples of present potential. I think, mm -hmm. you know, for me personally, Sagittarius feels so like when I was growing up, felt so distant from what my culture had given to me as a as a place to be or what other people have imposed on me. So it was kind of a way to be like, but <laughs> this is something I can harness too. I'm so glad you brought that up, Shayla, because I I can relate so much where I feel like Similarly, when I was younger, and I think uh, for myself, what was accessible to me as far as astrology went were the daily horoscopes in the newspaper that was like three sentences <laughs> that was super vague, or in teen magazines that was like, oh, you know, this and this with your crush, and they were kind of dumb. And so it really wasn't until... Um, probably my early 30s where, and I want to ask you guys this too, when was your sort of astrological aha moment that was like, oh, this goes way beyond your sun sign. There's a whole other elaborate system of knowledge. Um, for myself, when I discovered that 
oh, there's also your rising sign and your moon sign and something about knowing that I am an Aquarius rising that just suddenly so many parts of my personality made sense and uh, and, and similar to you, She-Wolf, I, I didn't relate as a Sagittarius growing up, but I think as I get older and older, I love the sense of permission of the Sagittarius archetype of being free and um, pursuing knowledge and being jovial and jubilant and extroverted. And what I love for myself about astrology is that it gives permission to maybe hallways of your personality that you may never have considered. And it can just lead you to interesting detours that you otherwise may have never considered. Um, So I'm curious for both of you, what led you into the the occult path and also the origin story of your friendship and this collaboration which led to this book we met on tumblr yes <laughs> as the best did friendships in the 2008 that's how you met anybody <laughs> true. i don't think i even remember my tumblr password anymore i have to yeah. go back and look um, it's a past self. It's been shed. It's true. But I guess my origin story, I was a total early 90s teen mall goth who just hung out on like the occult section of Barnes and Nobles at the mall. Um, and so my introduction to astrology was probably initially like, they don't make these anymore, but you could get like a book for that year for your sun sign. Um, or you would buy a book and it would be like one chapter, but really there wasn't a lot of deep dives, um, in the book world, as far as I could tell into like understanding your birth chart, but I found a book, all I remember is giant purple book, which probably had some influence (laughs) color wise on this book. Um, but it taught you how to do a birth chart. And so I found it recently and it, there was like 40 different birth dates of all my friends and I would do everyone's birth chart. Um, So yeah, so that was my introduction. But it actually, one of the ways it had an influence on this book was when we sat down to think about it, I was like, I don't want to make a book where you feel like the other 11 chapters are a waste of your time (laughs) because it's a waste of paper um, and it's like a waste of a resource. So we kind of puzzled through like, well, how would you make an astrology book where you could use the entire book. Um, and it, we both went and actually we came to LA separately to go to this occult research library at the Philosophical Research Institute. And that was kind of the conclusion we arrived at was we like thumbed through all these books and we're like, yeah, no, we don't want to make any of these books, <laughs> which was like a necessary step in the process to be like, well, this is what we're not going to be doing. Yeah. And I would also say that like, this is maybe like, I think with a lot of um, astrology and tarot people that we follow, it's like, uh, how did Jessica Dore put it? Like, now that I have your attention, let's, you know, she talks about uh, psychology and mental health. I think for us, we wanted to make a book of... um, creative rituals, uh, kind of like, um, you know, we wanted to write ways to kind of access your intuition and access these, these kind of layers on reality that um, you've probably neglected, um, you know, things, 
areas where you just need to funnel attention and care and maintenance um, that I think places that are magical already um, that you just kind of need to be re-reminded of so it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a glamour right yeah yeah <laughs> now that we have you here we're gonna yeah. teach you about intuition <laughs> yeah and I, I think that that um I had some early experiences, you know, going back to the origin story, I had, had some early experiences with astrology. I had a, um, a cousin who was briefly married to an astrologer, and I think I was maybe 11 and got this, like, packet of, like, this is your birth chart, and it was, like, very old-fashioned, and I was also, like, too young to have love or career or money, <laughs> you know, all these things that I was like, I don't understand. And then I, I think there were things in there that I, you know, felt personally attacked by. So I just kind of was like, Meh. <laughs> and I think I, I went very far away from that and then came back to it when I saw that there are these other ways of, of using it that aren't this kind of prescriptive or, you know, s sort of divinatory sense of things. It was more kind of like um, archetypes to work with um, and tools to reframe your perceptions. And um, I think when I came to it again, it was also during a time of like um, Saturn return and kind of reworking my relationship to myself and kind of thinking about um, identity and agency a lot uh, and and using these these tools as you know this this sort of um, there is a magic to to that sort of distance that it creates mm -hmm. between like you and the work right and then the the, the filling in of that with these kind of metaphors mm -hmm. um, and and I, I I came to it at first, because it was, um, you know, I grew up in the Deep South as uh, a, an immigrant kid um, who was neurodivergent and who had, uh, you know, w was surrounded by um, a lot of religion that I wasn't mm -hmm. part of. So there was this sense of like curiosity about the taboo and also like ways that the kind of um, otherness kind of worked its way into a place that I accepted it rather than evaded it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was, I would say that that was kind of like at that point in my early 20s when we, you know, had started hanging out and we kind of talked about our respective curiosities for this. And I think it was around that time I was also like, buying my first tarot deck. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I can do this now. <laughs> I, um, and remembering all these times in growing up where I didn't have ready access to places that sell crystals or herbs and, and having to like kind of go in, in my yard and kind of like make things and um, kind of like make secret altars and things and sneak into the <laughs> taboo section of Barnes and Nobles or whatever and, and like, well, I get smote, you know. <laughs> That's such a, um, I'm glad you brought up the, your experience of growing up in the South as um, coming from an immigrant family, being um, 
an Asian person, uh, which, which I can really relate to. And I, I think often a lot about that intersection of magic, occult, the witchiness, which is sort of about being on the margins of society, being an outsider looking in, and also overlaying on top of that being a part of a marginalized community, whether you're queer, um, a person of color, um, whatever subgroup that is not represented or respected in dominant society. And so I, I'm curious what you think of that intersection, why there is this, I want. I, I think that I see a subgroup of uh, marginalized communities really embracing astrology and the cult. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, what I love about astrology is that uh, I think I remember reading one uh, self-help author. Her name is Tosha Silver. She said something like, what's so great about astrology is that it's not the archetypes. It could be any gender, mm. right? So the cancer sign of that that is con conventionally prescribed to cisgender women, like domesticity, cooking, being maternal, well, that archetype can be embodied in any any body, and and also like you said earlier, astrology is about power and choosing your own narrative. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. That quote reminded me of something I heard um, the poet Jenny Zhang say, which was like. Astrology is great because it's a way of judging people without using the qualities that marginalize them. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I think like institutions are like that's what comes to mind for like institutions that fail people that uh, fall through the margins and um, specifically spiritual and healing institutions. And I find that uh, marginalized groups that I am in contact with kind of use these tools as a way to kind of like DIY healing mm. and um, safe spaces, community, uh, these things that um, used to be the realm of, you know, these places that are also uh, responsible for a lot of the, the marginalization of these folks. Yeah, I think I would uh, add to that. It reminded me of when we were sitting down to like map out this book, which was a real backwards design process. Um, but I remember She-Wolf asking me at one point, she's like, wait, should I, should I draw people on this book or just mm. symbols? And we were kind of like, and she's like, well, what? What if there's no like genders left by the time this book comes out, or what? Like, what if that's it felt just like a really long timeline? Yeah, I was like, what if <laughs> it's just? Like, and I was like, anybody? Yeah, that was like something we really deeply considered because, like I said, a lot of those sort of earlier books when we did research was like, how to catch the Taurus man, or like you know, like or like it's like cook him a good meal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so. And lots of binaries, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, not it's, just masculine, feminine, but like yeah. all these other kind of ways that binaries come into play, and we were like... So know, nobody had, as far as we could tell, nobody had really written an astrology book yet that sort of, like, sidestepped that equation and was like, well, what if you're just a human being with a story? 
<laughs> and like, what is your story and what do you relate to? And so that's, I think the direction we took it and it's hopefully the one that resonates with, yes. with people. <laughs> I mean, I definitely noticed the, uh, um, sort of the gender queer non-binary worldview of the book, which I really, really appreciated. And I, I, I really love that. Um, like you said, you don't, this is a book where you're not going to just skip to, Oh, this is my sun sign. Screw the other 11 signs. It, it really is an invitation to really meditate, reflect, do creative exercises on every archetype because as any, um, astrologer knows who goes past sort of the magazine horoscopes we do have all 12 signs active in our psyche we all contain all 12 signs they manifest themselves in different ways but they're all within us and so we all holistically empower ourselves even more when we tap into the signs that are not necessarily prominent in our birth charts and I, I really felt the, the careful, thoughtful channeling of every uh, zodiac sign archetype. So I'm just curious what process went into pinning down the, the energetic signature of every sign mm -hmm. while also not falling into the cliches that every sign is known for. Yeah, um, we liked looking at the houses uh, which is if you kind of divide up the wheel into the 12 uh, segments and, and each sign kind of takes up one segment, they correspond to a house that is sort of a sector in a human life starting from the self and kind of zooming out to the universe. And I really liked looking at that as a way to kind of um, show uh, how you can use the entire wheel. And the entire wheel is interesting because, um, you know, a lot of people who, uh, a lot of, most people know their sun sign through their birthday. A lot of people know their sun moon. Sometimes they're rising. Um, I find that once you kind of like identify with something, it's, it's very easy to kind of say like this, these are my values. What's counter to that are not my values. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, there are a lot of opposing um, characteristics in that entire wheel, right? And I think it's interesting to kind of map out your chart because you can see where you have reactions that are positive and where you have reactions that are maybe negative or uncomfortable and kind of ask yourself what that has to do with your values or what that has to do with um, how you see yourself or how you, um, where, where you hold your insecurities. Mm -hmm. And I found that a really useful lens to kind of like seeing that as a, as a tool for, for self reflection and discovery and to kind of like find these segments of myself that maybe I had been suppressing or kind of have been lying dormant. Mm. And I would also add that She Wolf unlocked a big uh, puzzle for me early on in the process, um, which is that she, she suggested at one point that I use the phrase, this is a part of you in each section of the book. Because I think I had maybe up until that point struggled with this sort of like, okay, Taurus is like this, Gemini is like this. Um, and that was like huge for me to think about, oh, right, it's just, this is just one 
part of me, right? Like this, the Scorpio part of me or the Sagittarius, wherever that shows up in my chart or wherever it, it resonates or causes friction for me. Um, so yeah, and I, and I, and I, and while you were talking and I also unlocked that I was like, I was like, wait, what does that phrase remind me of? And I realized it's something that my therapist used to say to me, which was so helpful. Cause I'd be like, no, I'm just like this. And she goes, no, there's a part of you that is just like this. It's not all of you. And I think that's maybe why this book is, is resonant holistically for people is because they're like, oh, okay. I see how there's a part of me that reacts this way, but it's not, it's not all of me. Well, this brings me to my next question, which um, which is fun for me to think about, which is, I think, the shadow side of astrology, where um, my astrologer friend just hates astrology memes. She just, it just sends her into this rant that's just like, oh, astrology essentialism, it boxes people into these stereotypes and it, it doesn't, it denies the, the more nuanced uh, picture of what um, a natal chart entails. And, and I was also reminded of this tweet that I saw recently on Twitter and it made me so sad where uh, this, this queer woman said, she, she basically said, you know, in a lot of queer spaces I go to, a lot of people are more astrologically fluent people that's just a conversation starter everyone knows their sun moon rising and as a Gemini I feel like <laughs> some people laughed um <laughs> as a Gemini I, I feel like you know I have to constantly prove to people that I'm not duplicitous it's and um and so that that just and certainly, I've been guilty of zodiac sign stereotyping. <laughs> um, and for anyone who's astrologically fluent, I think we all have our <laughs> preferences or um, kryptonites, so like who we date, who we shouldn't date. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think I'm just curious what you think about this sort of uh, astrological meme culture and maybe the antidote to people um, pinning down people unfairly based on limited information. You go first. <laughs> you, I feel like you have more articulated I have like thoughts. A meta, I have like a meta <laughs> comment on that, which is that I think that in the same ways that there is like um, a simplification of signs via memes. I think there's also a simplification of astrology. Um, and I think that a lot of people look at someone who is interested in astrology and decide or um, infer that you might not believe in science or mm. that, um, <laughs> you, you know, that you might... Um, be a kind of a kook, you know? And I find that both infuriating and amusing because, <laughs> because it's like, it feels like it's sometimes this kind of glamour of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really stupid. Like, don't, don't mind me. But it's also, but it's also this like secretly, it's like I have this extra tool to work with and I have 
the power to hold both of these things at once and see them as two different ways, two different avenues of understanding the world and kind of navigating the world. Um, that said, it's infuriating because um, it is very feminized. Uh, mm. it, it is kind of like seen as, as this thing for like mostly women, mm -hmm. probably dumb. <laughs> and that I feel like sometimes creates kind of an exclusion mm. in, in spaces that are maybe science or rationalist uh, oriented. And that's infuriating mm. to me that it can be kind of like used used against mm. me. But um, yeah, I hold both. Yeah, I don't I don't think it has to be either or. I mean I, I love a funny astrology meme where it's like Taurus locked in her room eating soup in a caftan and I'm like, that's just rude because it's so true. <laughs> um, you know, but I was saying to you earlier, Yumi, that I I but I feel like like astrology memes have their place, but they're kinda they also are sort of like it it's not like you can't really take it further than whatever the meme is okay. versus like I think in your work and in this book, we were more, we were more interested in like what's the invitation to like explore further to not be so maybe like limited. Um, but again, I'm I'm a big fan of like both and you know so. Yeah, and I think that memes are also uh, I think they can be highly creative and funny, and they yeah. give a way to play with humor and to laugh at ourselves. And I think there's kind of an understanding that you don't necessarily just stop at the meme, right? Uh, and that's like, I think now a lot of people's first um, kind of entryway into into digging deeper is like, oh, what does this meme mean? And then you <laughs> kind of just like open the gateway, you know, peel, peel back the door. And some people maybe just stay in the the meme realm and you know, that'll, okay. that'll always be a, a thing that happens. But I also don't, um, I, I think being, being kind of like astrological novices, like we kind of um, came to this through a performance of Witch that we did via this radio show where we were just like, oh, what if NPR but for witches? And, um, and then we, it, it became like a more serious thing over time because we were just like, oh, this is actually like, this says a lot about our, um, our society, it says a lot about the times, it has like what we're drawn to, um, and it became kind of the study, but I think, um, you know, being kind of astral, I don't know if it's fair to call us novices, but I, I personally kind of feel like I am not in the camp of like people who are accredited and, you know, all, all mm -hmm. of these um, kind of like, um, you know, astrological certificates. I. I I'm also kind of avoidant of um, the elitism that, mm -hmm. that comes with that. So I, I think that like the memes do provide uh, a way of like um, entering this, uh, like things, apps like CoStar, you used to have to buy really expensive um, software or like yeah. pay for an astrologer for often like pretty exorbitant prices to access any of this data. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice that it's, a little more egalitarian. Mm -hmm. I understand that the need for people whose livelihood depends on this to kind of like keep it, um, you know, like keep some of that mystery. But I, I also like that there's like multiple levels that you can access. Oh yeah, I have two different astrologers and I pay them a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I would love for this to go on forever, but um, I want to end on one last question before we open up uh, the floor to audiences to ask questions. Um, I'm curious, uh, there, are, there are so many lovely rituals and spells in this book, and I'm just so curious, what are some current spells and rituals that are really resonating in your life currently? Um, I'm like, I don't know if there's a technical, actually, I just came across this term. It's called psychogeography. Um, it was coined by, um, one of the situationist, uh, thinkers in the fifties. And it's has to do with how the landscape can influence your emotions and vice versa. And so I find myself, um, in moments of, of duress or needing guidance, just going on like these aimless walks in which I just sort of like let the green light dictate which way I'm going to go and what I'm going to discover. And I'll sort of not put a time limit on it and just stop to like examine weird objects or stare at a mural and just kind of, it's very meditative. Um, and I, I think that's my, my main spell work at the moment to try to work out feelings and thoughts and directions. I've been, so I live in San Francisco and um, I also spend a bit of time, uh, this is right around, uh, right across the Golden Gate Bridge uh, in the Marin Headlands. And um, I've recently become very interested in coyotes, the animal and I'm, I was, I came, kind of came to it through a more abstract way of like, these, these animals are interesting to me because of, um, uh, I actually had a, I had kind of a spiritual experience that involved them and I started looking into them and reading about them. And for a long time, it was just like information intake and just kind of like drawing uh, kind of these connections. And then uh, at some point this summer, I went out and tried to see them I wanted to see them, and then I and it was such a humbling experience because I was very bad at it, mm. and I was like, "Wow, I'm such a um, I'm such a bad animal. Like I have lost these sensational, like you know, sort of intuitive or instinctual ways of like noticing things. They're like perfectly camouflaged to the mm. grass, you know, and." Um, it took me a whole week to just see one. And when it happened, it was like right before it, I just like given up. I was like, the work will be about how I am not entitled to see the wild animals that I want mm. to see. Like they will show themselves if they feel like it and they're very intelligent and probably smarter than me. Um, but when I, when I started seeing them, there was, a, there was kind of like a shift in, in my brain and my body. Um, and now I, I see them all the time. And I mm. almost have this, I like even hesitate to use these words because I like, I almost have this sense of like, I don't even know, but I'll like suddenly turn and I'll be like, there it is, you know? And it, and it feels, it feels like I have a newfound intuition that I don't even understand yet. Mm. And yeah. And it's really kind of like 
I think it's interesting that you mentioned psychogeography because it has rooted me mm, more in the yeah, in place sure. where I think in the past I've been a person who's much more, uh, I, I, I kind of will maybe live more virtually mm, yeah. <laughs> or like more in, in the mind mm. uh, and, and f be kind of like uh, physically, like I, I might like forget to nurture my physical self, yeah. Um, and it's like it's nice to do this thing that like requires kind of like a lot of being uh, out. It's true. I was yeah. like totally spinning my wheels earlier today, just mentally and emotionally, and I was like sitting in this apartment. I was like, "What do I do?" And I just heard this voice, and it's like, "Go for a walk." And I was like, "Get, get advice." Whoever. <laughs> And I went for a walk, and it was great. I, like, huffed up a mountain, and then I felt a lot better. Yeah. What are some rituals you have? Well, I love what both of you mentioned. I definitely love the random walk um, ritual. I Every day I do morning pages, which mm. is three pages of stream of conscious writing, which I feel is a way of clearing the channels. Um, and I also, I, I love, um, this is in my book and I talk about it a lot, but the idea of having tea with your demons. Mm, so yes. sitting with a dark emotion that's really difficult for you and listening without judgment what this negative, difficult emotion has to say. Oh, can I show you my Yumi cosplay? Yes, <laughs> please. This is actually a, a Halloween costume and I feel like people... <laughs> don't really celebrate Halloween once it's past the day, but you're allowed. It was such a weird. Yeah. It was such a weird time this year, but um, total demon. Yes, demon I wish all my demons <laughs> look like she wolf. <laughs> well, on that I'd note, have, I'd have tea with you. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> on that note, uh, we'll love to open the floor for any audience questions. Anyone? Yes. Oh, it's great energy. I love it. <laughs> Our little coyote yeah. descendant. Yeah. I actually live in that coyote. Yeah. I live a couple blocks down, and on every single, well, let's see, the new moon that just passed, and then the eclipse, screaming. <gasps> <gasps> Interesting. What do they know? It's just social screams. They're just <laughs> hanging out. They're yeah, like, party time. It was here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 They are very fascinating, and they actually um, thrive in cities. They they are in every major city in wow. in the in North America now, uh, because they live sometimes twice as long in cities. Um, there are less. There are less. Yeah. There are less predators. People in cities don't tend to have as many guns. Um, and so their primary sources of mortality are things like cars and rat poison. Uh, whereas I, I think the traditional places that coyotes were found, you know, over the past few centuries have now been kind of overtaken by farmland and uh, they've been eradicated by poisons and various... Uh, we've eradicated a lot of those predators too. <laughs> yeah. So that's how they were able to thrive is we got rid of the bigger predators and they were just like... Whoop. And then it was, yeah, poison and, yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I have a, so I do numerology, 
Yeah, we live in relation to what's around us. We feel containers. I think a lot of things like astrology and numerology and tarot, it's like, it's a mirror, you know? It's like, you're like, oh, this is the story, or this is the thing I identify with. Yeah, at that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More and more in a deeper level, peeling back all the layers and understanding, even mm-hmm. relating to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And if something doesn't resonate, that's also interesting information, I, mm-hmm. I find. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if that was a question, but just like, oh. <laughs> comments, welcome to yeah. <laughs> yeah. observations, <laughs> intuitions, <laughs> predictions. Yeah. I, I can't wait to read the book. Oh, Anyone else? <laughs> I kind of want to ask you a question. Sure. Maybe. Yes. Um, I am curious about. So, okay, a little bit of a backstory. I. Um, so I came to your work initially because you made those amazing Claudia Kishi zines. And uh, I also had a recent experience at a book signing where um, some baby Asian American witches were very excited about seeing an Asian American witch <laughs> with a book. Aww. And I, I wanted to ask you about that, like kind of uh, the, the creation of like new ways to be a witch, mm. uh, which I think is one of the nicer side effects of like peak witch capitalism is like it's not as kind of boxed into a very specific kind of, of aesthetic. Uh, I think growing up, something that always struck me was like, oh, I'm not in these depictions, but um, I can kind of abstract that a little bit, you know? Like mm-hmm. that's a thing that happens when you're not as portrayed as you kind of like, you know, when you, when it when it comes to relating to a protagonist, it's like, Ah, uh, Star Wars. I guess Chewbacca. That's where I see my... You know, like, it's, it's like you kind of, like, abstract yourself so far away that, you know... So I, I'm curious about, you know, your experience as, um, like, creating a new kind of witch to be. So this is what I love about the occult and astrology. I, I really don't believe in the the elitist paradigm of like oh you have to be initiated into this cloistered hermetic secret society i i really truly believe that the mysteries of the occult 
it's it's open to all seekers and same with meditation as somebody who's written a lot about meditation I, I really don't believe that you have to pay tons and tons of money to learn how to meditate um it's it's available to everybody and, and so what I love about the the framework of the occult magic casting spells casting intentions is that once you sort of know the basic rules of this cosmology of how magic intention spell work works I really do believe you can make your own you can create your own spell book and so as an Asian American woman I've been slowly building my coven circle of Asian American which is in Los Angeles and And we've been gathering, we've been doing moon circles, we've done workshops recently specifically for uh, Asian American Pacific Islander women. And and what's so exciting about working in these spaces is that we can come up with our own spells, right? Like, well, how do you cure the psychic um, rupture of being raised in two cultures but not necessarily belonging in both? How do you heal the psychic split from your family who are in a different culture, language, worldview as you. Um, And so speaking about the really specific wounds that a person of a very specific identity may have and then thinking of what the inverse healing spell would be. What is the opposite of that wounding? What, What spells, what objects, what languages, what aesthetics would... Um, dive into healing that and so I so what I also love about magic is that it is a creative practice and so it's always regenerating it's always renewing as you mentioned this is a new cycle of renewed interest and it it's intersecting with whatever is happening in this current zeitgeist and so yeah, I encourage all of you to uh, come up with your own spells, your own incantations, your own magical societies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently um, co-facilitated a tarot workshop where someone asked, um, you know, I've heard that your first tarot deck has to be gifted to you. And I was like, well, I would have been waiting for a really long time if I had, you know. There, there's this sense of like... Um, instead of like waiting for the signs to come it's like well why don't I just go out there and get some signs you know I'll just give myself permission I think I remember an astrologer artist saying that that tradition just comes from that points to more the I think danger that witches were in where things had to be handed and and we're not you quite couldn't in buy that <laughs> right yeah. and so it's like do you just buy your own dog <laughs> it's fine uh if there are there any other questions yes <laughs> so you know your cancer every sentence starts with i feel I just feel it. <laughs> yes. Mm. 
I think you can tell people it's a time um, where, Mer- so Mercury governs communication. It's a planet of communication. Um, so it's a, when it's retrograde, it means communication can get a little haywire. So that could be anything from like emails that bounce back or go to the wrong email address. My laptop literally died yesterday and I was like, well, that's the beginning of Mercury retrograde. Um, but it could also be communications with other people, like things get frustrated. And so a lot of astrologers will say, think of the like prefix re, like it's a time to revise, reflect. Um, it's not a good time to like forge ahead because if you think about it being like a backwards motion, you're, you're kind of looking back and you're reviewing. And so instead of sort of getting impatient with like, why aren't things going the way I want? And why aren't people understanding what I'm trying to say? It's a more like, okay, this is a time to kind of like slow down, not lose my patience. Um, so it kind of gets a bad rap as like things go wrong. Uh, and that could be true, whatever your perspective of, of wrong is, but you could reframe it as like, okay, you know, I didn't, you know, like in my situation with my broken laptop, it's like six years old and I probably should have replaced it a year ago. So see, replace, yes. <laughs> yeah, Does that I help? Think- I also want to add that it's something that happens fairly frequently. Yeah. You know, it happens three, four times a year. Um, I mean, if you want to, the astronomical definition is like, if, you look, if you're looking at the orbit of Mercury, right, from our Earth's perspective, there are times where it looks like it's moving forward and there are times that it looks like it's moving backwards. That's just those times when it looks like it's moving backwards. And it's cyclical, and I, I like to think of time as a bunch of different cycles nested in uh, each other and it is kind of nice to have this like scheduled downtime mm-hmm. almost right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have you have times when um, if you subscribe to these cycles there's a cosmic reminder to maybe like oh maybe I should double check that my payments went through yeah. and that um, I didn't leave things untied or you know it can be this sort yeah. of um, you know, regular routine that you build into your into your life and some sometimes it's like also a really nice thing to blame if everything that's true it's a good scapegoat going wrong it's like oh everyone else is going through this too so yeah do you have a question no yeah i so forgive me (laughs) retrograde literally means that it's moving backward in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or that's how it appears it's how it appears to us in the sky like if you look through yeah yeah. And do all of the planets or suns have retrograde? Yes. Okay. Yes. But Mercury is the one that gets the bad, the bad rap. <laughs> it happens a lot. I think yeah. that's why it gets mentioned a lot. Is also, it's I think because it's a short orbit. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think because it governs communication, so people get frustrated. They're like, "You're not listening to me." Yeah. yeah. I don't think that like being. Born during a retrograde does much to your chart, but I, other than like, I don't know, maybe wires get crossed as you're being born, you know, like. <laughs> or maybe sign. you're more at ease. In yeah, maybe. It beca- yeah, maybe yeah. it's an easier time for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or just not take it personally. You know that everything, everything's. Yeah, maybe you feel harder. at home. Yeah. 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 Cool.
Well, I think this is it. So yeah. thank you to um, you beautiful witches Aww. for creating this gem of a book. Uh, if you want this sign, please buy it at the counter. And yes. they will be here to sign. And I, too, will sign any books if anyone wants to buy my books. So Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with your books. Thank yeah. you. Bye so now. wishing you all a potent and... Um, reflective mercury retrograde scorpio <laughs> season thank thanks. you all for being here tonight thanks yumi thanks yumi you've been listening to the skylight books author reading series don't forget you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com thanks again for stopping by and we hope to see you soon